welcome to episode 53 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got two good segments for you this week. Uh, kicking things off, myself and Neil talk about his recent trip to Florida where he got the chance to play Epic Mickey Power of Illusion for the 3DS. So he's got a lot of great information about that upcoming game. After that, myself, Neil, Mike, and Zach get together for another That Nintendo Year. This year focusing on 2001, which was the launch of the Game Boy Advance and the GameCube. Enjoy. Hey, so we're going to talk about Epic Mickey Power of Illusion, the 3DS game that is coming out from Dream Rift, the guys who made Henry Hatsworth and Monster Tail. Or I guess technically not the full roster of the guys who made Hatsworth, because that was technically an EA Tiburon joint, but then they left and formed Dream Rift and made Monster Tail, and now we're working with Disney on Epic Mickey Power of Illusion. I'm Neil Ronahan, and I've got Scott Thompson here, so that way I can tell him all about this ridiculous event. <laughs> yeah. I'm basically here so Neil has someone he can gloat to. That's yeah. that's my that's my role. Before, oh great, Neil, you got to write it how many times? Oh, you got to play <laughs> the game how much? Oh, you met who? Oh, great. <laughs> that's my job. Um, before we get to the big absurd uh, press event, let, let's talk about the game first, because I mean, even even when I do look back on that, like the game's really fucking good. Um, that's the one thing that I keep on coming back to. Yeah, uh, well, we we should start from the beginning, and with Mickey Mouse, that name sounds familiar, but kind of refresh my memory, like, what, what yeah. exactly is he it's, from in the past? He looks like a rat, sort of, but, like, he's got ears, and they always have to face one way specifically. Yeah, <laughs> because rats don't have ears. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, Epic Mickey, you know, that came out a couple years ago, I, I thought the idea was great, but the game kind of sucked, not, not gonna lie. <laughs> Um, like, I mean, I, I wrote a review that I actually looked back at, um, like, when I was getting ready to go on this, go to this event, and, uh, I still agree with it. Like, there are so many cool ideas about the first Epic Mickey that it just didn't really all come together. The, you know, the gameplay wasn't as compelling as I thought it would be, the, the camera control really hindered it, and I hope they fix a lot of those things for the sequel, but I did not get to see any, any more of the sequel. I did get to see a lot of the 3DS game. Did you play Epic Mickey? Uh, I never did. Same thing, I, I was actually interested in it, and then when reviews started coming out, and it was kind of yeah. like, well, it's like, good, but there's these things you kind of have to deal with. I was kind of like, well, I don't love Mickey enough that I'm, you know, I'm going to kind of like fight through those limitations. Specifically, yeah. I think with the camera was one of the biggest complaints. Yep. But, um, yeah, so I just I just thought, well, you know, maybe if I find it cheap somewhere, but I just kind of let it go. I'm not a big Mickey, Mickey super fan or anything, so it didn't really affect me one way or the other. I feel like I'm at a point where I have the capacity to be a Disney super fan, but I just don't fully go down that road. Like, I have too many other things that I'm a super fan about that I'm just like, you know what, I can kind of suppress the Disney thing. <laughs> it stops here. Yeah. Like, I like I, I, I probably, I guess, this would have been the, the fourth or fifth time I've been to Disney World, I, I think. Because I went, I went when I was younger, and then I, I kind of lucked out, and there was a string of, like, three years where I think I went twice. Um, oh, okay. Well, and one of them was for a day because I went on a cruise with my family and we left. We left out of Tampa, but my parents have have a big ridiculous timeshare, so that we got something in Orlando for a day or two because I have uh, cousins that have younger children, and we oh, okay. went, went to Disney for a day and then went on the cruise. Um, huh. But That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, see, I've only, I'm living in the Midwest, living much further than you. Yeah. Do. Like my family never had the kind of money that we ever got to go. I, I went yeah. once on an eighth grade field trip. Um, to Disney World for like three days, and it was awesome. I mean, I loved it, but yeah, I, I never went much as a kid. So yeah, my my first time was when I was seven years old, and uh, we went on a big car trip. It was like you know, 
me, my brother, my sister, my brother's friend, my parents in a minivan, drove, driving from New Jersey to Orlando, Florida, stopping at south of the border on the way there and the way back. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that a stupid, stupid, fantastic attraction, Torque no. Trap, in a, I think it's the middle, I, I think it's the middle of North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere around there. But it's basically just like this really, really offensive Mexican road, roadside attraction. Um, I recommend looking it up. And like when you're on the highway in that area, they have like billboards every like two feet being like, come to south of the border, some kind of Mexican stereotype. <laughs> um, but, and then on the back, uh, on, on the way back from that, we, uh, I've, I have an aunt and uncle who live in Georgia, and then uh, we brought home three cats, and one of them peed on my brother's friend's lap. <laughs> so that was funny, because they had a cat who had kittens, and, and we had those and cats geez. for like 10 years. It was cool. Wow. That's a heck of a trip. Well, yeah. How long is the drive from Jersey to Orlando? It's like, I actually did it somewhat recently. Well, not to go to Orlando, but to go to Gainesville. Um, but Lauren and I went on a field trip, because I, I, I mean, we have family in that area, and she is one of her best friends. From, from her youth moved down and was going to University of Florida. So we went on a road trip like the first year of college. And I think it was 15 hours if we did it straight. But I think in okay. Florida it's longer. Yeah. It's a hell of a drive. It's doable. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I have a lot of like friends who have done that trip with parents before and it's, it's possible. It's just long. Long. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but so, uh, I mean, as far as me with Disney, like I've always enjoyed it and I have, some memories of playing a lot of like the the Genesis and Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Like uh, Quack Shot is a personal favorite of mine. That actually, <laughs> from talking to uh, uh, the director of Epic Mickey Power Evolution, Peter Ong, who um, if you remember from the E3 um, 3DS showcase thing where he talked, uh, he was talking about how like Castle Illusion is like his favorite game in the whole damn world. Um, and I actually found out from him, I didn't know that uh, the people who made Castle of Illusion, I think the game after that, or at least it was the same team that then worked on Quackshot on Genesis, which I, I'm a big fan of, because I own that. I didn't, I never owned Castle of Illusion. I, I played it with friends, but I never actually owned the game. I did put in a bid on an eBay auction uh, on my phone on the way to the airport, though. Because <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, I, just, I have to own this damn game. Do you still have a Genesis? Yeah, uh, okay. I have one of the Genesis 3s. Oh, I do too, actually. That's funny. Yeah, uh, I, I had actually... all three growing up. I had the first one, and then I think it broke, and for Christmas we got the two, and then right near the end, um, I don't know what happened to our two, but yeah, my mom bought us a three, and I still have the three. Yeah, uh, my brother and I got a, a one. I guess this would have been like 91, something like yeah. that. And then it, it broke, and we kind of just had all these Genesis games lying around and didn't have any means to play them for a year or two. This is when we were heavily like going you know, going into the retro well with NES, and um, and, and then we saw, like, at a Toys R Us, they had this freaking bin of Genesis 3s for 20 bucks each, so we each got one. That's awesome. <laughs> they're kinda, they're, the 3 is, like, so kind of cheap, but I like yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, well, the, the shitty thing with that is you can't use the 32X or anything on that, so I ended up, uh... That's true. When Lauren and I merged our game collections, I was able to use my friend's 32X that he gave me, because um, he, he's just like, I'm never going to use this again, here, take it, and I try to get it to work. But I only have Genesis 3s now. Until mm-hmm. Lauren, Lauren got a, Lauren had a Genesis 2. And I was able to use that and finally play Nichols Chaotix and be like, this was not worth the wait. <laughs> what a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is there anything else on this? Okay, not really. Alright, figure. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I always enjoyed a lot of those, those Disney games from Capcom. Uh, most of them I've kind of rediscovered or discovered recently. 
I went on a binge. I think it was actually after the original Epic Mickey where I was like, man, that game sucked, but uh, maybe I can go back to some of those retro ones. And I, I finally own, I own a copy of DuckTales now, so that's cool. Oh, nice. The NES game? Yeah. That's uh, awesome. I want DuckTales too, but who knows? Um, Is that the one on Game Boy, or was there an NES? There was a there was an NES sequel, but it came out in like 1993. Oh wow, okay. Uh, it's apparently like better in every way than the original. Wow. Uh, so so what's your experience with all those old Disney games that uh you know Power of Illusion clearly draws from in some overt and not so overt ways? Yeah, well I know I know I played Castle of Illusion at some point, but I, I don't have as like strong a memory of it. I know I rented it. I never owned it, but I, I can distinctly remember like renting it. Um, but really don't remember much of it. Um, but I played a lot of the other like Disney licensed games, like you know Lion King and Aladdin and stuff like that. Yeah, I, um, I love me some Aladdin on Genesis. Where do you where do you stand on that? Oh god, it has to be Genesis. The Genesis version oh, is okay. so much better. That was that was one of the highlights of the trip for me. Is like debating. It, that. It, it was it was me, uh, Peter Ong from Dream Rift, and Chris Hoffman from Nintendo Power, just all debating the merits of Aladdin for Super Nintendo and Genesis. And I'm just like, eh, this is this is this is the life right here. <laughs> like, are you with, like, some dude who's been with Nintendo Power for half a decade and some guy who made a bunch of video games that I like and, and I'm looking forward to? I, it's weird. Like, I had never played the Super Nintendo one, so I figured the differences were, like, mostly maybe cosmetic. Um, but recently, um, probably, like, last year, my girlfriend, she only played the Super Nintendo version. We went to an old, like, retro used game store and we, we bought the Super Nintendo version because I still own the Genesis version. And um, we played through it, and it's just it's so different in all the worst ways. I mean, it it does it does look worse and sound worse, but not even that. But like just playing the game, it just seems like so simplified compared to the Genesis version. There was one thing that uh, that Peter Ong mentioned to me that kind of highlighted why he makes video games and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Where he was talking about how the Genesis version like clearly is the more graphically impressive because it, you know, it, it does a lot to kind of ape the style of the movie in the game. Yeah, yeah. But he was kind of expressing his dismay with that version in that the animations, like, sometimes make the game slow down or make things not as fluid, whereas with the Super Nintendo version, Capcom's kind of just like, well, screw this. We're just going to animate it in a way that works for our game as opposed <laughs> to have the animation and have the gameplay work around it. Which, I don't remember much slowdown in the Genesis version. I mean, well, I mean, I mean kid, not, but... not like there was, like, graphical slowdown, but just that, like, you could get caught in an animation and it wouldn't break it, whereas in the Super Nintendo version, everything's very loose and fluid. Okay. I guess. I'd have to go back and play the Genesis version. I mean, that's an interesting point. And like you said, definitely from the, the, the uh, mindset of being a developer. Yeah, but for me, I would have never thought that. I yeah, can't claim that as, as an original thought. And as a person who plays video games, it didn't affect my opinion that yeah. the Genesis version's better, so... I mean, I mean, for me, it definitely comes from that, like, I grew up with the Genesis version. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've beaten that game, because it it also helps that Aladdin is... I wouldn't say by far, but that, that I mean, you know, it came out when I was, like, six years old or something. Like, Aladdin is my favorite Disney movie, so yeah. it helps that, like, I love the shit out of the movie, and then I got this game. And then I played the hell out of this game. And it would be one of those games where, like, I'd bust open my Genesis, like, any time in the past decade. And I'd be like, eh, let's play some Aladdin. That game's awesome. Right. Have you played you played the Super Nintendo version, right? Yeah. And I actually got the Super Nintendo version, I guess, sort of like you, a couple years ago. I saw it at a used game store and picked it up because I was always curious. But, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, so I, I, I haven't played many of those... Um... Of the ex- like expressly Mickey games uh, from the SNES and Genesis, yeah. but I, I am definitely familiar with 
the Disney games in general. So. Yeah, um, so Epic Mickey Power of Illusion is very much inspired by Castle of Illusion. Uh, you, you know, you play as Mickey, side-scrolling, um, you bounce off of enemies' heads, and if you time it right, you can do like a, like a super jump off of their head to kind of get the higher, higher areas. Um, and then it has, I mean, it, like the, the way that Mickey controls is once again, uh, would have never come up with this on my own. I was, I got to talk to the game's director for a lot. Or for a lot of time, so I picked up some things. Um, and he pointed out about how, like, they, they, they did the jumping, so it's kind of, like, super precise. And I realized that, you know, I spent probably an hour with this game or so uh, at the event, and I never had an issue with jumping somewhere and landing someplace that I didn't want to. And mm-hmm. I, I, like, and then I kind of had, like, that, 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 like, flashback at the end of the movie when you had something revealed to you where I'm like, there's a lot of platforms I've played lately where I don't have that that precision control that's so great, and this game has it. And I think Mutant Mutts kind of has that too, where it's just that very super like tight control over your jump. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's why you don't notice it because when it works, you know, you shouldn't notice it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, in in the game, you have a couple of powers. You get like a whirlwind ability. Um. That's kind of used for up close, and you also can uh. You can uh, shoot paint or thinner at enemies, and that kind of changes the like depending on what you use, it uh it like interacts with enemies differently. So, for example, if you use paint on an enemy, you'll usually get hearts whenever they drop it. Like you'll get health power ups. Um, and then there's stuff where like uh there's some enemies that will like throw barrels at you. Um, I think this is in the the Peter Pan world. Um, enemies will throw barrels at you, and if you use paint on them. They will, it'll reverse direction and then go attack that enemy. Whereas if you use thinner, then it'll just make the barrel disappear. Hmm, okay. Um, but, uh, so, so that's, that's pretty neat. But I guess the, uh, the game winning, or I guess the, the log line pitch, whatever you want to call it for this game, is that there are lots of things that you can interact with by painting or drawing, or painting them into existence or erasing them. So some examples of that are, uh, there's cannons that you can, or, you know, uh, draw in or erase, and then, you know, they can carry you to different areas. Um, and depending on how well you draw them, which is just kind of like you'll have, like, a stencil that you have to outline. Um, and sometimes there's, I mean, as you get, get farther into the game, there's more intricacy in it. Um, and, like, if you if you draw it with, uh, with perfection, then that cannon will never disappear. Whereas if you do it poorly, then, like, the cannon can only shoot you out like three times and then it'll erase again. Hmm. And then there's other stuff um, in uh, the Agrabah world, which is the second world, and that's what they showed off. That's what they were showing off at this event. Like uh, you have chains that you can, uh, you erase the chains. Well, first the chains have like a, like they're like it's like swinging, like a swinging rope sort of, and there's a little like uh, axe on the end. So you have to erase them, then draw them back in, and then you can use them. And then the really cool thing in the Agrabah level is that there are magic carpets that you can draw into existence. Okay. That then you can jump on them, and they'll scroll forward, and you can kind of, like, it'll, like, auto-scroll forward, and you can kind of fine-tune where you're going. But it, it's interesting because you kind of, you know, you draw it in, and then you might want to draw, like, you know, have it take you over, like, a hidden area, and then erase it, and then get off the carpet. Mm-hmm. Um... So that, that's kind of the primary mechanic of, of all those things. And that's, that's, it works really well. Like, I was a little skeptical because I felt like that would, you know, kind of slow down the game a lot when you're playing it. But you kind of get into a rhythm where 
you know, once you've drawn a cannon for the third or fourth time, then it's, you know, you you know what you're drawing. And not that it's going to make you this great artist, but it does kind of, like, fine-tune your ability to quickly draw things and following, your, following a stencil. So you've mentioned so far, you know, a Peter Pan level and Agrabah. So is every level in the game just based off a different Disney franchise? All right, so the as way as it works... And there, there's still mysteries that, that we don't know about. It seems like there's only three worlds. And I think each world is, like, somewhere between, like, three to five or six levels uh, with, a, with a boss in addition. Um, mm-hmm. And the levels, I mean, they're, it's not like they're, they're really long, but they're also not, like, super short. Like, uh, I, would, I would say, so, so I was playing the game for, like, an hour. And then there's also the, all this fortress stuff, which I'll get to in a little bit. And uh, to get through, like, three or four levels, you know, that kind of took me an hour. Like, it, it seems to get through the first two worlds would probably be, like, two or three hours, which kind of worries me. And I think, I've heard the third world's a little longer. Um, I I don't know if they said what that is, but I think it either might be Little Mermaid themed or, I think it might be Little Mermaid themed. I'm not 100% sure, though. And then after that, there's apparently some uh, ambitious post-game thing that I was kind of, teased about but they wouldn't they're like you'll find out more as we get closer to launch because right now the game's completely done um it's, oh, okay. it's, it's coming out november 18th same day as wii u which shit <laughs> yeah that that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah um but uh, the, the thing that kind of makes the game a little bit longer even without knowing what this mystery post game stuff is um there's all this uh, like you rescue characters in the world and there's over 20 characters. They won't say the exact number, but they're just saying over 20. And it's the kind of stuff where, like, you know, you find Scrooge McDuck in a level. And then he will have a room in the Castle of Illusion, or the Fortress. I don't know the, the exact technical name of it. And then uh, you can go talk to Scrooge. And, you like, at first he has kind of a barren room. And then as you complete quests and, you know, gain, uh, you get, like, the e-tickets that you had in Epic Mickey. As you gain those resources, then you can kind of upgrade his room, and eventually uh, Scrooge's room will turn into a shop where you can go and, like, buy health upgrades, power upgrades, and stuff like that. And then you also unlock sketches that way, which sketches are, uh, I think you can bring at most, like, four or five of them with you into the level, and you kind of unlock the ability to carry more as you go through the game, and there's ten in total. And uh, one of that, like, and that's basically something where you can just draw it anywhere in the level. And they have like the the uh, the peat looking swamps that uh, they were they were shown off in the in the first world. I think if you look at our video, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about when I say that. And you can also like draw Goofy, and Goofy just comes in and kicks a soccer ball around. <laughs> like, and then you can draw enemies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you can draw on Scrooge, and then he will pogo around and like beat the crap out of everybody. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Um, but, so you have all these different characters, and it looked like in the first world there's probably, like, six or something that you can find. There might be more, but that was just, like, what was there when I was... Because I, I was playing at a save file that had uh, just finished the first world. And and you have, with all these characters, they probably have, it seems, like, four or five quests that you can go through, at least. Um, and some of them involve, like, like you know, uh, Donald Duck is just like, man, I need money to do something. Uh, can you go talk to Uncle Scrooge for me? And you'll go talk to Uncle Scrooge, and he'll be like, screw that kid, I don't want to give him money. <laughs> and then you need to find out a way for Donald to, you know, get convince Uncle Scrooge and give him money and stuff like that. And uh, and there's rewards, as you usually get sketches or something like that at the end of it, and there, there's a lot of things to do there, including going back to levels. Um, and 
after you beat a level for the first time, if you return to it, then the en enemy patterns are completely different. There's only two different options, but it does make uh, that kind of repetition a lot, a lot better. Yeah. That's kind of cool, so there's the levels, but then there's this, the castles, the hub world, where you can yeah. accept quests and kind of build up, you know, the various rooms and stuff in the castle. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and uh, as far as, like, a challenge difficulty in the game, um, it's not quite Hatsworth hard. But it's also not as easy as Monster Tail. Um, it, 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 it was, I was kind of surprised because I remember at E3 it seemed pretty easy and it looks like they balanced it a lot better now. Um, cause like, I mean, it was, it was a fair challenge getting through it and you really need to be kind of slow and methodical about what you do in order to get through the levels. Hmm. Does it feel like a slower game? It is definitely a slower game, but I wouldn't say it's like, it's bad because it's slower. It's just like, I mean, you're not going to be, you know, spamming a run button and blazing through the level. You're going to be taking your time and trying to figure out, all right, so there's enemies over there. Uh, what's the best way to get past them or defeat them? Um, do I want to try to go for that secret thing over there? Maybe there's a character there. Um, you can find shortcuts and levels. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it, there's definitely a methodical pace to it, but it's not to the game's detriment at all. It's just a slightly different kind of platformer. Sure. Um, but it, it's it's really, the more I play, the, like, when they first announced it, I was like, oh, a side-scrolling Mickey game on the 3DS? That sounds really cool. Oh, the guys who made Hatsworth and Monster Taylor doing it. That sounds really cool. And then I played it at E3, I'm like, wow, this game is really cool. And then I played <laughs> it the other week, and I'm just like, holy shit, this game is even better. Like, it just, it, it's... It's what I like in video games. It, it's it's like dialed into what I want, and it seems like if you like platformers and Disney in any way, shape, or form, this this game will be something that should totally be on your radar. I think this and Paper Mario will be a fantastic two week stretch for the. 3DS. Do we know? I mean, maybe this has already been announced, but do we know if it follows at all? Like the storyline of Epic Mickey 2, or is it its own completely separate thing? It's its its own thing, but it okay. takes place in the same universe. Like, uh, what it is is that, like, there, there is a story to it where, like, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit is like, yo, Mickey, we need your help. Uh, the, the Miserable from Castle of Illusion is in Wasteland, and she, like, corrupted part of it and made the Castle of Illusion again in Wasteland. Mm. So it's kind of like a side story. It doesn't yeah. directly interact with the plot of Epic Mickey 2, but it is in that same universe and that same world. And the the only other thing is, uh, uh, I think we have video of this in some form. It was kind of cut up. They they shot B roll of the Magic Kingdom tour that we went on, and I had not gotten a chance to ask Warren Spector which was the version to get for Epic Mickey Two. So while they're shooting this B roll, you can see me ask the question and then him have his response all chopped up. But <laughs> I, I asked him that because I, I honestly want to know, as someone who owns or will own every single platform that the game is coming out on, I want to know. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that, you know, if you, if you like the motion controls, Wii is the way to go. If you want an HD experience, then 360 or PS3 is probably it. And Wii U has some extra stuff that he can't talk about yet, but we'll soon. Well, you would think the Wii U would just combine both of those. Yeah. <laughs> the motion control and the HD experience. The, the Wii U has the same assets as the, the 360 and PS3 version, because they had to, like, redo them for HD. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh... Any, anything else you want to know about Epic Mickey Power of Illusion? Any 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 concerns, questions? No, not really. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm real interested to watch the video of it. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we what it looks like, but yeah, we have some up on the site that we got at E3. Um, 
It's it's pretty good. We don't we don't have any video of what we were shown. Oh no. Now, but uh, I mean, it definitely. It, if you, I was looking at uh, E3 screens and just the presentation of the game changed for the better and how it's presented. Um, it's more like smartly designed. You can tell that at E3 it was still, you know, they still had a couple more months of development. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. Yeah. It, it is looking. Good. It is looking red hot. But so you're saying there's only three. Three different like worlds. Then, so there's Agrava, there's um, what was it, Peter Pan, and then there's yeah. a third one that could maybe be Little Mermaid. I think it's Little Mermaid. It's um, kind of weird I, you, that they didn't take more advantage of the different worlds, but yeah. I, I guess sequels and stuff will do that. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It, I mean, it seems like everyone at Disney is is really digging what Dream Rift did with the 3DS game. So hopefully that will lead to uh, good things for them in the future because it looks like this game is going to be really really good. Um, and I'm curious to know what the kind of post-game stuff there is is there. Um, I really I really hope they move it up a week. <laughs> that, I really um, hope they they don't release it the week the Wii U's coming out and they just release it the weekend before. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where like you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you want to have it come out alongside the other versions of Epic Mickey, which I think are kind of smart to release on the same day as the Wii U. Because if you think about that, then you have you know. You, you could probably upsell more people on buying the Wii U version. And then the Wii version will be also be out, too. So you might even have people buying the Wii version to play on Wii U. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, I, I it, it does kind of suck that it's coming out at the same time as Wii U. But what can you do? But I guess with Christmas right there, I mean, it yeah. shouldn't... Shouldn't impact sales that much in the in the within a month. I mean, I I, I think we we talked about this before. I still think this this game and pro- I don't know if every version of F McMickey Two will sell gangbusters, but I think overall, like the the Epic Mickey as a collective product will will sell like hotcakes. And I wouldn't be right. surprised if Epic Mickey on 3DS like sells more than Paper Mario this this year. We'll see. I mean, it, there's nothing else on 3DS. <laughs> those two games. Yeah, and Mickey's a big brand, that's yeah. for sure. And I think that, in all honesty, I think that you know, side-scrolling Mickey game will be more appealing than you know, Paper Mario RPG. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for both, but as far as like you know, whole public conscious being interested in stuff, I think there's a clear winner. Yeah, absolutely. So the big ridiculous event. Um, Disney flew us all down to Disney World, and I had the moment where there was my name held by a limo driver. I did not actually go in a limo, but I was taken in a town car to go to the <laughs> Disney Grand Floridian Resort, which is one of the big ridiculous resorts that Disney has around Disney World. Um, and, you know, the, the thing where I'm just, like, in a hotel room, I'm like, what the hell were they thinking? Um, and then had that moment where I where I met up with other gaming press that was there, and we all had to think, what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a good event, you know, getting to hang out with other gaming press people and and chat about games and go to Disney World together. I got to ride the new Star Tours ride, which is so freaking awesome. If you like Star Wars, it's so great. I got to go on the Tower of Terror, which is awesome. I got to go on Aerosmith. I got to go through that Disney magic animation thing in Disney Hollywood Studios. Is that the one where they, like, teach you the drawing process or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, it, it was kind of funny because we were walking to it and someone made a comment about, like, I saw this a few years ago. Maybe they updated it. And, like, the the like the like pre-show thing is just like, hey, look, we're going to draw Eddie Murphy from Mulan. <laughs> I'm like, they have not updated this in 14 no. years. <laughs> Clearly no. Um, but they have a lot of cool Wreck-It Ralph stuff, like concept art and, and things like that. 
Um, so that was neat. And then uh, we, we got all together to go for the actual press event after having kind of a morning to ourselves where we could go to parks. Um, and it started off where we got to go in the golf ball at Epcot, <laughs> which is absurd in itself. Like, uh, um, for anyone that's familiar with it, that's where Spaceship Earth is. And you go inside of the, and like at the end of the ride, you kind of go to like to the lower level of it, and there's like some interactive stuff that you can screw with. Um, and then like there's just kind of like a door where you enter the door, and I was talking to the the PR rep about how like when you go into the door, it looks like there is no, there's like this little room where there's like a screen where it's like that's how you interact and check in. That -hmm. looks like it's already like future tech as it is, and it looks like there's (laughs) no other door in the room. And then once the people like buzz you in, like the wall kind of, like, unfogs, and you're like, there was a door here the whole time. <laughs> so so then we uh we went up to the to the second floor and played the game, and that's where they did the presentation, which uh, we will have from that portion. Um, I've got game impressions that you pretty much heard most of them, but you can see them written down on the website if you wish. <laughs> and we also have um, an interview with Peter Ong in which I had, like, 10 to 15 questions prepared, and half of the time was spent on one question, which is great, but, you know. Wish I had more time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, well, I'm also going to transcribe the presentation that Warren and Peter uh, gave, talking about, the you know, how the 3DS version happened and, and all that jazz. And uh, I, I might have some more content up, although that, that might be showing up in the ensuing days. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of doing some kind of, like, brief history of Dream Rift or something like that. Um, so then after that part... We uh we got to go to the the Magic Kingdom where uh, we were taken on a tour throughout several rides. Uh, there was first we went to Aladdin's Magic Carpets ride or whatever it's called, where it's just like you know you're on Magic Carpets and you spin around, and that was cool because I got to ride the ride with fucking Warren Spector as he's like being like this is awesome and yelling it to the people online. And at one <laughs> at one point he's just like play Epic Mickey. Um, and I mean, it's, it's hysterical because he really, like, he's like a 10 year old kid in that park. It's amazing. Cause this is a guy, like, he's the same age as my parents, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think he was born in the 50s. He said he was born, uh, the same, the same year that Disneyland opened, which I think is 55. Um, so like, he's roughly the same age as my parents and seeing him act like a 10 year old kid walking around Disney World was, was amazing. Um, so we went to the, uh, the, like the magic carpet ride for Aladdin, and then we went over to the Haunted Mansion. And for anyone that's familiar with the Haunted Mansion, it kind of starts off with, like, like you're in this circular room, and, like, they do, like, you know, parlor tricks and stuff. And I was, I was like, there with a couple other guys from the games press, and we're just looking at Warren Spector while we're in this room. And he just has, like, this slack-jawed, gaping look, like, just amazed at it and, like, watching kids react to it, too. And he's just like, I just, I just love seeing kids react to this stuff. It's so cool. And you can tell, like, I mean, just kind of seeing him, seeing his reaction to those kind of things, you can kind of tell, like, this is why this guy who made, like, you know, Ultimate Games and Deus Ex went and did Epic Mickey, because that's what, that, that's where his heart truly lies. Not that, you know, I mean, Deus Ex is a fantastic freaking game, but, I mean, you can tell, like, this is what he wants to do. He wants to be making Epic Mickey. Right, he has a love for this stuff. It's not the yeah. kind of thing where he's been assigned to it and he has to begrudgingly, like, work on, like, quote-unquote kids games. I mean, he really loves this stuff. Yeah. You could tell through the, I mean, even just the depth that Epic Mickey explores. I mean, and bringing back, you know, like Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and all that kind of stuff. Like, yep. He's very passionate about it. I this. mean, he's even, he was even talking about when uh, we were walking into the park 
Um, just like how we're walking down Main Street, and he's just like, I've been basically working with this every day for the past three years. It's the best. Because, you know, he <laughs> recreated Main Street and, and a lot of other Disney things in, in Epic Mickey 1 and 2. Um, so then uh, we went to the Haunted Mansion, which was cool. I'm a big fan of that ride. And then we went over to Peter Pan's Flight, because that's a, another section in Power of Illusion. The Haunted Mansion thing was tied into Epic Mickey 2 and not Power of Illusion. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, after Peter Pan's Flight, we kind of had some free time. We wound up riding Space Mountain with uh, what uh, had one-up contributor Nadia Oxford referred to as uh, We Were the Game Journalism Train. <laughs> which we reacted, eh, it's like a 7 out of 10. Because um, it was, well, I mean, it was, uh, like, they have, like, six people on a car, and it's, you know, me and four other journalists, and then Peter Ong from Dream Rift riding Space Mountain. Uh, I have the I have the picture of of me, uh, Kevin from Nintendo Joe, and Peter on the ride. Albeit, there's, like, the little, like, you need to buy this for fourteen ninety nine, <laughs> But no, I just used my camera phone and took a picture of it. You took a picture of the picture. Um, <laughs> but... So, so we did that, and then we got back uh, on on our bus and, and left the Magic Kingdom after watching a guy from Destructoid buy an apple pie flavored candied apple, which was was incredible to see. It had mouse ears that were made out of marshmallows. <laughs> um, and then uh, we went to a big fancy pants restaurant where we got to watch fireworks at Magic Kingdom from the 15th floor of one of the Disney resorts, the Contemporary. But then it started pouring rain, so a bunch of us just ran inside because you know fuck that. Uh, but Warren Spector and a few other people went sat through the torrential rainstorm to watch all the fireworks, <laughs> and they came in like they are they are soaked to the bone. It was it was hysterical. Um, and then we ate you know ate ate a meal, and that was that was pretty much the end of it. Um, we got some swag. I got a cool Epic Mickey paintbrush pen, uh, so that's neat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was the press event, and it was big and ridiculous. I mean, that is. So, of your time there, how much time did you actually spend, like, playing the game, or even talking about the game, and how much time did you spend just, like, fucking around in Disney World? Way more than I actually played the game. <laughs> I mean, I got, like, it's the kind of thing where, like, what they were showing, like, I didn't really need to spend that much more time with the game than I did. Because yeah. um, it was probably, like, uh, I guess what, we got, it was it was about roughly two hours, a little more than two hours, including the, the presentation and time to play the game and do interviews and stuff. Sure. But even still, if you think that the, the actual press event, you know, started around like 2.30, 3 o'clock, and then ran until, you know, dinner probably finished close to close to 11, that's eight hours. We spent a quarter of that playing the damn game. That's that's <laughs> what always kind of blows my mind with these, these press events, is that it's like yeah. so little. It's like the focus is on the game, but not really. It's more on the spectacle, you know? I mean, it's trying to woo yeah. you. And right, exactly. And that's the kind of thing where, like, they could have just, like, sent me a video of the game, and I would have been like, oh, shit. <laughs> and probably had the same reaction that I do right now. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was it was a very cool trip, uh, thanks to Disney and their PR for, for planning it. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited for the game, uh, completely separate from the Big Ridiculous Press event. Because <laughs> I'll have you know, I've been on other Big Ridiculous Press events for games that I didn't like very much later. <laughs> Quantum of Solace on DS, uh, Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock. <laughs> um, Pretty amazing. Well, hopefully next time they'll just invite more than you from the same. Yeah, like, maybe yeah. we can invite a couple people. We'll, we'll get everyone to go. <laughs> Nintendo World Report family vacation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's Epic Mickey Power Evolution, and I think that, sincerely, this will probably be one of the, 
one of the best games on 3DS this fall. Although that's kind of in like, there's like three other games <laughs> that might compete with it. One of them's a DS game. <laughs> right. Um, not, it's, not it's, the stiffest competition. Yeah, I mean, it, it is It is still a pretty light fall for 3DS, but the games that are there, you know, Paper Mario, Epic Mickey, um, Code of Princess looks pretty cool. Like, there, there are really good games nestled in there, it's just that there's not a whole wide variety of them. Right. Yeah, and this will definitely stand out. I mean, yeah. it's I mean it's Mickey Mouse. How is it not going to yep. among the titles you just said? I mean, apart from Paper Mario. And uh, I mean, I guess kind of as a parting shot, I did try to find out being like, so Dream Rift guys, what are you doing next? And uh, uh, they they won't say, but uh, I I assume that a sequel to this might be being discussed. Um, and they they actually said that they don't know if they'll ever do anything for the eShop, but they have considered it. But uh, who knows? I mean, it seems like that's the direction that a lot of those kind of smaller developers are going in, is self-publishing stuff on the eShop. I mean, it's working out really well for, for folks like Renegade Kid and WayForward. Um, now let's see if uh, those guys are continue to be successful and if we see more people kind of have that freedom. Um, I know that Dream Rift owns the Monster Tail IP. Um, if you haven't played that game, you can probably find it cheap somewhere. I heard it was $5 at, a, at, at 5 Below, if you can find it at all. So that... Um, I mean, that's just, it's, it's pretty easy, but it's a very fun Metroidvania game with a cool, like, t- like, Tamagotchi creature raising mechanic. Although I never played Henry Hatsworth either, so. Henry Hatsworth, Henry Hatsworth is, like, balls hard. And then Monster Tail is so, it's, it's kind of funny because it really is, like, they made a game that was stupidly hard, then they made a game that was very easy, and now, like, I'm playing Epic Mickey Power Evolution at this event, I'm like, Okay, good. They hit the middle for once. Because <laughs> that's what I remember. Hats, I, I've never, I never beat Hatsworth. And uh, it's not because I'm terrible at video games. It's because that game is really fucking hard. And then I then I beat Monster Tail and was like, that was too easy. As an aside, did you street pass like a motherfucker while you were there? Not as much as I thought. Like, I, I, street, I street passed the people that were also at the hotel with me that I spent time with a lot. To the point where, you know, I, got to, I had some level 5s and level 6s rolling out whenever I street passed them. It was kind of a, it, it was funny because some of the Dream Rift guys seemed really excited about the street passing potential, but I don't think I street passed any of them. And one of the guys, one of the guys at, uh, at Dream Rift used to run Nintendojo, so we, we shared some fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like, yeah, I remember Billy Berghammer. We went to, uh, Space World one year together. I'm like, was that the one where his shoulder dislocated? <laughs> I don't think it was. But, yeah. That's Epic Mickey Power Evolution. And this was a long-ass segment, but for a damn good game. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the eighth wonder of the world. The flow of the century. Oh, it's timeless. Ho! Thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. Uh.
not guilty. He who does not feel me is not real to me. Therefore, he doesn't exist. So poof. Hi, uh, welcome to Ten Activity, and for another edition of That Nintendo Year. This time we're going back to another launch period, that is 2001, the year that the GameCube and also the Game Boy Advance came out. I'm your host, Neil Ronahan, and with me I have some returning people to the segment, and I think some new people, I don't fucking remember who was on the segment before. Uh, we got Mike Sklens, I know he was there before. We got Zach Miller, pretty sure he was there before. Your punishment must be more severe. And and Scott Thompson, who I believe is a newbie to the Correct. idea segment. That's me. All right, cool. I, my memory isn't shit. Um, it doesn't Good. really help when I don't edit it and I don't listen to segments that I'm on, so I don't really remember who was on on what segments at this point because there's so many people. But anyway, uh, 2001 was a busy-ass year because there were two systems that came out. But even still, before those two systems came out, there were some pretty solid games. Uh, starting off in the month of January, there was Mario Tennis on Game Boy Color, which... Uh, is, I guess, mildly ironic that we're discussing this now, because it's coming out on fucking Japanese Virtual Console on, three, on, on the 3DS next mm. week, which mm-hmm. just makes me pissed off and mad, because oh. I would love to play this game again. This is a game I never played. It's, um, not, as, it's not as good as Mario Golf. Yeah, I think Mar- Mario Golf, uh, the portables, like with the RPG mechanics, I think work a lot better than the tennis ones, but just the Camelot RPGs are, are very, very well done. Um... At least the RPG parts of their portable Mario sports games, except for Mario Tennis Open. Yeah, does anyone have any other fond memories about this game? Uh, no, but can I just say right off the bat that it's kind of blowing my mind that in 2001 the Game Boy Color was still around? Yeah, I know that's weird. I mean, this is pretty much the the gasping breaths of it. I, I didn't realize the advance in the GameCube came out the same year. I thought they yeah. were a year apart. Yeah, this it was is, a this good is, year. This is weirding me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Game Boy Color was 98, I believe. Wow, okay. I mean, it didn't really last too long. It was kind of like more of a a DSi evolution. It was, I mean, you're right. Except for the DSi didn't really have any worthwhile exclusive games, unless you count the (laughs) download service. I loved the the design of the Game Boy Color. I thought it looked really cool, and I loved the the color and stuff. It was just so bright and vibrant. Yeah, Yeah, the Game Boy Color was pretty sweet. It's pretty wild to think that between the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color, which was, I guess, almost 10 years, and then to think, like, in... 2001, the advance came out, and then 10 years later, like, where we are. Like, it just seems like such a further leap in technology, but... Yeah, well, I mean, all the Nintendo portables, even even the 3DS, it's like... I mean, what the 3DS is doing is kind of what the PSP was doing, you know, eight years ago, or seven years ago. And, it looks a little bit better than... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely improved from the PSP, but at a base, like, they're, they're comparable, just like... It's no Vita. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, is that Nintendo has always done that with portables, and I think that's kind of the way to go, because you don't really tax the system as much, and you can do more creative and fun things with gameplay if you kind of have that little bit of dated technology. Well, yeah, plus it's cheaper to produce yeah, and sell, which is what... People aren't going to buy something that expensive and then keep it in their pockets... I mean, the damn Vita costs more than an iPhone, with yeah. a contract, at least. <laughs> damn. Really? I think so. It's got to be more than 200 Vita's more than $200. 250 Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is that, I mean, people will crap on the 3DS for being 250 at launch, but that shit dropped fast because it had to. Sony's just like, <laughs> well, we, Vita's 250 Sorry. We're going to raise the price of the PS3. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yep. Uh, so next up, we have... Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64, which came out on February 5th, 2001. Already, this makes it better than the first half of 2000, 2012. <laughs> um, 
And then, uh, so, so that's February. I mean, it's definitely, you can see with this, it's a lot slower of a time period than, uh, 2006. Uh, mainly, I think, because you had two consoles at the end of their cycle, as opposed to, uh, in 2006, the DS was kind of just hitting its stride, and the Game Boy Advance was still around. Yeah, but, though they uh, still do manage to have at least one game out every month this year. And yeah. good games. For the most yeah. part. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, because uh, Paper Mario's uh, February 5th, and that's basically the game for February from Nintendo. And then in March, they followed it up with three games, actually. Conker's Bad Fur Day, which Woo! is fantastic. Yes. Yep. Um, although I guess that, that might have been technically published by Rare in some respects, but I think Nintendo still backed it. Um, right. And then Game Boy Color, uh, the Game Boy Color version of Mickey Speedway USA, which was a rare... I, not sure. I think if it's, it's a rare game. Yeah, I mean, the, the N64 game for sure is. It's on the Diddy Kong Racing Engine. That came out in late 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came out, and I really don't know too much about that. I, I own the N64 version for the Rare 64 feature that I keep on threatening to do since, like, last November. <laughs> I remember um, that. Yeah. I mean, I have all the games. I just don't have the time to play them all and do what I want with them. You uh, uh, you didn't let me get my dig in at Paper Mario. Oh, we're not done yet. I'm oh, just, good, I'm good. Well, well Paper Mario was a month ago. We're in, we're in March now. Well, well, we can we can look at it as a quarter. Okay. Um, okay. And then uh, the end of the month on the N64, the first Pokemon Stadium came out in North America on March 28th. Oh, I got so it. So if we're looking at, if we're looking at a you know quarter one of 2001, there were two Game Boy Color games, Mario Tennis and Mickey Speedway USA, and three pretty solid N64 games that all kind of hit different markets. Because you got your Pokemon game, you got Conker's Bad Fur Day, you know your mature rated masterpiece, and then Paper Mario. <laughs> It is a masterpiece, though. It's hilarious. Yeah, I think Conker's Bad Fur Day is still really good. Not it's quite as... difficult, though. Yeah. I mean, it's... Or at least, let's put it this way. Conker's Bad Fur Day is still funny. And I think <laughs> that's the that's the, the more impressive thing. Sure. I never even made it to the infamous Matrix level that everyone says is so damn good. What level? There's, isn't that... Um, there's, like, a Matrix-inspired level? Yeah, that's basically never the last there. level. It does get very hard near the end, but that, that, that game is fucking great. I beat the Great Mighty Pooh. Yeah, I mean that's actually uh, not not to not to keep harping on that Disney trip that I went on, but I did have a moment where I, I had been drinking and was with other game journalists, and we all broke into song about the Great Mighty Pooh because we were reflecting wow. on Congress Bad Fur Day. For I some think reason. I I think I've just decided that the name of this episode is going to be "Did You Hear Neil Went to Florida?" because that's the <laughs> recurring theme across both segments now. Uh, I, I it was ridiculous. Wait, anyway, where did Neil go? Huh? <laughs> Oh, I'm Wait, sorry, did what? I mention? Wally World. <laughs> yeah, Wally World, I mean, that's... that's right. Happy World Land! Zach, what was your what was your rip on Paper Mario? Uh, it's Fisher Price's My First RPG. The funny thing is that, and, and this makes it a little topical as well, because I was talking to... Uh, no, we can't talk about this. Uh, just so you guys know, on October 4th, uh, Aaron will be posting Paper Mario Sticker Star Impressions. Um, oh, look at that! Maybe, so, maybe this one won't be quite so hand-holding. yeah. Uh, from from what he told me, yeah, that's that that that's looking what it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be handholdy. But uh, pay attention to that. Was there a second Pokemon Stadium game for the sixty four? There guess was. Not, huh? it, I think it came out like I think it came out like two thousand two. It was a really late game. It came out after the GameCube. It was. I, it I was think for it, diamond. It was for sorry, gold and silver. 
the last uh, the last N64 game I believe came out in the end of 2002. I believe it was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, or like okay. midway through 2002. And I think Pokemon Stadium 2 came out in early 2002. Wow. See, I thought the original Pokemon Stadium came out earlier than 2001. It came out. Well, well, it did in Japan. Okay. It just came out way later. Okay, that must be it. Because <laughs> the original it came out in uh, April '99 in, in Japan. Okay. And then, yeah, uh, Pokemon Stadium 2. Actually, wait, what the hell? Really? Hmm. Oh, I had I, I had that wrong. Pokemon I Stadium. So. Pokemon Stadium 2 came out in 2001. Okay, that makes more My sense. My bad. I was like, uh, I definitely remember playing this before I was like, how old would I be? Like 16 years? <laughs> like, I yeah, don't remember po- being that Pokemon old. Stadium Pokemon Stadium came out in early 2000. That is okay. my bad. I forgot to put a 2 there. That makes more sense. Um, okay. I, I never really played either of the Pokemon Stadium games. Well, they were fun. I still have the transfer pack, even though I don't have the game. I still have the transfer pack, too, even though I don't have a game. <laughs> nice! <laughs> yeah, the first should, one I spent. We should totally use those in online play for our imaginary games. <laughs> we should. You know it'll be great when they make a Pokemon Stadium game for the Wii U, and you can use the tablet and just what? make it uh, make it available on the eShop. You just download yeah, it. That would be cool. Wow. Or it'll it might just be my Pokemon Ranch. I th- yeah, you, can <laughs> you can pay I, Pokemon on the on the gamepad. I have to say, Pokemon Stadium, I I really loved I, the original. I never played the second one. Actually. It always seemed really cool. I mean, there's only really a few good things about it. If you only play by yourself, it's great because you can play Pokemon on the TV, which is nice. Yeah, it's like a Super Game Boy. Exactly, which is great. And then if you're very competitive with someone in battling, then it's great because you can just do it on the TV, which is what me and my cousin would always do. So I I really enjoyed it. We had two transfer packs and did that whole thing. So, Um, so yeah, so uh, quarter two, uh, I guess, yeah, let's, let's attack it like that. We'll do it quarter by quarter. Um... So, in April, we had Kirby Tilt and Tumble come out on the Game Boy Color. A game that didn't actually work the way it was intended. Yeah, I, I don't know much about this, so I guess, Zach, you've played this? Uh, I have played it briefly, but um, uh, I read a lot of uh, <laughs> comments, which are true, that the way you uh, you almost have to hold the, the Game Boy Color upside down... Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. It would be upside down if, if it was uh, on the virtual console. But the problem with Tilt and Tumble on the Game Boy Color is that the screen, um, you know, if there's any glare on the screen at all when you're tilting the thing around, you all of a sudden can't see what you're doing. Oh. So that blows. But yeah. it's a very interesting concept. It just needs, you know, and there's <laughs> the cartridge is huge because it has a gyroscope in it. Yeah. So... It's just an awkward thing to play, but it's a cool idea. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit like Super Monkey Ball, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Um, then uh, right around that time, Dr. Mario 64 came out, which, although it looks like total dog shit, it looks like a Flash game. Uh, it's got some fun four-player stuff that I've played. Um, I mean, it's it's if you like Dr. Mario, it's it's a ton of fun. It's just that probably... You know, April 2001, seeing that on the shelves for like 50 or 60 bucks, which is going to make you go, like, you take it home and you're like, I I could play this on the internet in 2001. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? But it's a fun game. Um, It's Dr. Mario. Yeah. It's got four-player mode. Hooray. Uh, Probably the biggest thing that came out in April 2001, uh, never, well, this version of the game never made it out of Japan, and that's Animal Crossing. I guess it was, it would have been called Animal Forest. 
But that yeah. came out on April 14th, 2001, and uh, that that is the game that basically became Animal Crossing on the GameCube because they didn't change it much. It, it, hey, it became Animal Crossing for the rest of all the Animal Crossings. Yeah. Even the graphics <laughs> stayed the same. Now, now, Mike, you would have been on staff at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, did anyone import Animal Crossing for N64? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, I don't remember. I mean, someone might have, but... Was there any kind of buzz um, about it back then? Yeah, we were talking about it. I remember talking about it. I'm trying to think. I might have not joined staff until later in 2000. Uh, okay. No, no, 2001 is when the GameCube came out. No, I joined in late 2010. Oh, okay. Or late 2000. Or 2000, rather. <laughs> I mean, I think you Yeah, came so people were definitely talking about it, but uh, I don't think any of us imported it. One or two people might have if they knew Japanese. It's a game where you pretty much would have to know Japanese to get anything out of it. Like, yeah. We all imported Super Mario Sunshine for GameCube. Like, we just had a bunch of credit on one of our partner sites, and we just, everyone got a copy of it. Yeah, I, um, I remember seeing the pictures of that. Where it's which just was like, awesome. Billy had, like, a um, million copies. Uh, who's that guy, that games journalist that everyone hates? Tim Rogers? Tim Rogers. He was randomly, like, in Tallahassee, at the same time, I don't know if he was going to school there or something, but he just happened to live there. I think it was Tim Rogers. Um, and uh, he knew I had a copy of it, and he was like, hey, can I borrow it? And I was like, yeah, but don't lose the slip sleeve. A fucking asshole lost the slip sleeve for it. Motherfucker. Anyway, don't cut that out. I want him to hear it. Um, you owe me a slip sleeve for Super Mario Sunshine, Tim Rogers. Uh, but yeah, we all imported that, and that game I beat. I didn't get all 120 shines, but I beat it without knowing Japanese. But you could never do that with Animal Crossing. Yeah. Well, also, you can't beat Animal Crossing, but... With with Animal Crossing, too, you would... Not only would you need to know Japanese, but I think you'd have to, like, really understand, like, the culture and just, like, like jokes and stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, sayings and things. I mean, it's just like if you know English, but you play the American version of that, there's going to be jokes and, like, wording that isn't going to, like, translate for you. Yeah. So... Yeah, that would be a very tough game to import. So moving on to May, we kind of had our last hurrah for the Game Boy Color. Um, because you the Game Boy. Again. Oh, oh yeah. Mario Party 3 came out on the N64. And that was the. There good, was... but not as good as Mario t- Mario Party 2 because yeah. they got rid of the game that gave you blisters. Yep. I thought, I thought from 1 to 2 they got rid of the games that gave you blisters. Did they still have games like that in 2? I think they were in 2. I okay. think two is where they came in. I don't. No, 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 no. They were in the original. The, I know they were in the original. Sure. I remember even like you could even go in that hut and you could do the thing where you wound up the controller to like wind up the uh, the shy guy who would fly around the room. <laughs> um, and even that alone, like, just I remember tearing up my palm. <laughs> that game inspired true competitiveness between friends. Yeah. The most, like, it's just oh, you could just just beat the shit out of that thing and you would win. And you know, who cares if you broke the controller? <laughs> There's all that white powder on the inside Surpre- of the controller yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would snuff it when we were done. Oh, it was good. <laughs> I love that Nintendo Power ended up handing out, like, free gloves. Uh, yeah. so yes, I got hand. one of those. Do you have one of those, really? I, I had one of those. Uh, I wish you still had it. Yeah, I wish I, I want, did, too. I Shit. want a picture of you wearing it. <laughs> but yeah, Mario Party 3, I never played it. Is this the one that on the on the box, Mario's, like, in a Western? Or is that later? I think that's two. No, oh, that two? I think that's three. This is also, um, I mean, this is, I think, the last Nintendo 60, Nintendo published Nintendo 64 game that came out. It is on our list, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think anything came out in 2002 for the N64 from Nintendo. 
Uh, for anyone who's keeping score at home, the last Nintendo 64 game to come out, I believe, was midway through 2002, and that was Tony Hawk 3. Um, yeah. Fun fact. But as I was mentioning earlier before I skipped Mario Party 3, uh, May 2001 was also the kind of last hurrah for the Game Boy Color. Um, almost entirely, at least right before the Game Boy Advance. It was the Oracle games, uh, Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons, and Oracle of Ages, which I have never played, but I'm eagerly anticipating them to hit eShop eventually. I have I played Seasons, ages. and I just, it's hard to get into. I mean, yeah, are, Ages was the same way. Aren't they, aren't they kind of like the same thing, as, or at least the same engine as Link's Awakening? Yeah, it is the same engine, they're just much more... Obscure games. They were the first Zelda games outside of those fucking shitty Philips CDI ones. Uh, They were the first Zelda games, I think, to be done by a third party, and they were done by that Capcom company. What's the name of it? uh, Flagship. And most of the people from Flagship are actually, like, they all worked on Skyward Sword. Like, I think the dude who directed... I think the dude who was, like, a producer or director on this game was the same guy who directed Skyward Sword. Wow. Well, the Oracle games are, compared to Link's Awakening and... Uh, Minish Cap, which were also done by Capcom. The yeah. Oracle games are kind of... L- Link's Awakening was, wasn't done by Capcom? Well, no, no, no. Link to the Past on the Game Boy. Uh, oh, no, Game Boy that's what I'm saying. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But the or- Oracle games, not good. Not good. Yeah. No. I really uh, like I'd Minish still, Cap, I'd still check them out. Yeah, Minish Cap is great. It's quick. That's what it's like. It's very yeah. light and it's easy. I, I don't recommend trying to get all the Kinstones because it'll drive you nuts. Yeah. Um... So then, uh, June, we had the launch of the Game Boy Advance. And the two Nintendo games that got launched in June uh, with the launch of the system was Super Mario Advance, which was Super Mario Bros. 2. Oh, and no, no. F- this is where it starts. Yeah. <laughs> nonsense. This is the root of that fucking nonsense naming scheme that whoever thought this was a good idea. Well, here's the thing, Mike. If they had thought about it, if they had thought about continuing this you know, franchise, they would have called Super Mario Brothers Deluxe New Super Mario, or Super Mario Advance Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Or if they were <laughs> smart, they would just name they would just name this Super Mario Brothers 2 Advance. Yeah, no, I, yeah that's true. Yeah, that, that would be better. Super Mario is in the title of this game twice, guys. <laughs> twice. I, I think if you make it Super Mario Advance... It kind of tricks people into thinking that it's a new game. Oh, yeah. Well, that's obviously what they did. But for uh, some people, this this, game might have been a new game to them. Yeah. A lot of people didn't play it. I've never played any of the Super Mario Advance games, so... I own two. I own Yoshi's Island and the uh, Mario 3. They're both... They're really just ports of of the Mario All-Stars. With with, with really, really, really annoying sound effects thrown in. Yeah. The one they gave us for the Ambassadors, that's... That's the one that's Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Yes. And it's just bad. Like, well, I don't know how they managed to make it bad. It just controls wrong somehow. Yeah. I think I think I I don't like the screen. Like everything's tiny. Yeah, it's just not good. Well, not the worst good. part's when you when you hit fuzzy and it doesn't distort the screen the right way. I didn't even <laughs> make it that far. That's because there's no super effects chip. I I, I lied, because um, I played Yoshi's Island because it was an ambassador game, so I have played a Super Mario Advance game, but I haven't really. I've only seen videos. I've never really played them. Before. If if I had made it that far, I would have thrown my 3DS across the room when it didn't go dizzy. Yeah, I I, I played. No, that's that entire game is that one level. Yeah. For me. 
There was one time in college where I was really drunk and just played that level over and over again. It was incredible. Each time you hit a fuzzy, did you take a shot? That's Pretty much. <laughs> it was just kind of thing. It's just like, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that is what happened. <laughs> um, yeah, she gets dizzy. I get yeah, dizzy. Yeah. Um, the other, the other launch game was F Zero Maximum Velocity, which was a uh, GBA or yeah, GBA yeah. 3DS Ambassador game, which I think is dog shit today. It is dog. I shit. liked it at first, but it is bad. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing it on a friend's Game Boy Advance around launch. I never owned it on Game Boy Advance, but it was fun then. But playing it yeah, now, like the Super Nintendo game, still kind of holds up. Game Boy Advance game, not so much. Well, the Game Boy Advance. The problem is you have to smash the A button whenever you make a turn. Yeah, that's what makes me annoyed about it. And then there was another game that came out around launch in Japan and Europe. But uh, didn't make it to North America, and that's Kuru 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 Rin, which uh, Mike, uh, you were on staff at the I'm time. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm holding it in Aww. my hand right now. Wow! I've, I just remembered all my Game Boy games are jammed into an old Game Boy Advance case, and then it's just in my desk drawer. And I was like, I wonder if I still have it, and I do. Uh, yeah, this game is. I think it's called Irritating Stick in, or did they call it Kuru 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 in 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 PAL regions? I, I just like Irritating Stick. I think it's called, it translates to Irritating Stick, if I remember correctly. It's like a little game where you have this spinning stick. It's kind of like you're looking at a helicopter from the top down, and you've only really got the blades. And the blades are constantly spinning. Um, I think you can change the direction of the blade spinning, if you want. Um, and you have to navigate through a maze, and that's basically it, and there are obstacles. I mean, it's it's really simple, oh, hey, uh, but it's N- good. Nintendo World Report is mentioned on the Wikipedia page for this game. Wow. <laughs> Gave it a 9 out of 10. Click on it. That should be my link. I think I reviewed it. <laughs> oh, no, it says Billy. Oh, well, that might have been more than one. Um, Real quick, can I can I tell a story about the Game Boy Advance? Sure. Um, oh, It must have been in May, or maybe it was right after the, the Game Boy Advance launched in June, but my um, mom had told me and my brother that my dad, who they're divorced, and I haven't seen my dad since I was probably like four, um, wanted to maybe come and visit us, and um, in my head, the only reason I thought that that would be a good idea is because I thought maybe he would buy me one because he's owed me so many birthday and Christmas <laughs> presents that he hasn't bought us in years. This is and years a lovely years. story, That's son of a yeah. bitch. Uh, but to round out the story, he he never came. Even though we said that that would be okay, he never came. <laughs> you, should, <laughs> so, you should tell uh, that story at parties, Scott. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I think I got one for like my birthday in November. I think I got it late, or maybe I just talked my mom into it sometime. But I know I didn't get one right at launch. But I remember, I, I I got one. Yeah, I got one right around. I don't think I got it on launch day. I got it a couple days later. I remember, like, uh, you know, my parents were like, "Well, maybe." Um, and then I, a friend of mine brought it in. Like, actually, we later became friends, but we weren't really friends at the time. It was just like before school, he, he had it. And I remember seeing it and being like, holy shit, I need to get this. And I wound up, the, the first two games that I got were Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, which was fucking awesome on the Game Boy Advance. It was surprisingly good. And, uh, Super, Super Dodgeball, uh, I guess, yeah, Super Dodgeball Advance, which I love the Dodgeball games. Too bad the DS one was not as good. I could never find that game. I seriously searched high and low for that game and could never find it. I wanted it so I bad. recall, I think I actually only got Tony Hawk right away, and then I think we were going on some, like, family thing that my parents, like, like they really wanted me to go, but they knew, like, like how bored I was going to be, so they bought me that game, so that way I would just kind of not complain and sit there quietly. 
And it I was did. probably a funeral. It wasn't a funeral. I, I, <laughs> I haven't really had family. Like, I was very fortunate, which is why I took my grandma's death so hard, because I haven't really had that much family death. Man, this is a depressing episode. <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be a family member. It can be a family friend. <laughs> that, that the point is, you were sitting in the chair playing Game Boy, not running around the funeral home and making a scene. I mean, it was a, it was a family event. But like, I, it's not like I was like five at this and don't remember. I was like, <laughs> I was like thirteen. <laughs> I know Zach, Zach's describing it like yeah, like you were like six like, years I'm old, like a retarded eight year old who's just like, oh, what's this coffin? They just slapped this in your hands to keep you quiet. <laughs> so much to don't you lose your it. keys when you're looking at the viewing. Um, so in, in, in July, uh, we had the last hurrah for the Game Boy Color, which would have worked. This game would have worked on oh, the wait, Game Boy I wanted, Advance. Sorry, I wanted to talk about one more game. <laughs> well, go, well, okay, well, Mike, go first, and then Zach, you're next. I was digging through my, my uh, baggie of Game Boy Advance games, and I found the other game I imported from uh, from Japan at launch. It was a, a car racing game called Advance GTA. Uh, it's not, nothing to do with Grand Theft Auto. Um but yeah, it was like this. It was this car racing game, and I remember it shot. It, it the camera was like uh, shot behind the car, and they had like realistically modeled fairly well, like all of these different like actual like like a uh, race rocket kind of cars, uh, and they would just like race them around Tokyo, and it was really hard, and it was actually surprisingly good. It was way better than F Zero. Well, yeah, but yeah, I remember really liking it. And I'm not even into cars or anything. That's a weird pickup. I guess you did you just really I, want it, games or did you it, know it was going to be well, good? I really wanted games and it got like a ton of buzz, like really good buzz, and I think it was a little cheaper than a lot of the other some of the other games importing yeah. on the import sites. So, I mean, I was like I had some money and I wanted another game and I wanted a racing game and everyone said even if you really like F0, this is way better than F0. Uh Zach, what's your story? Uh I got my Game Boy Advance around launch and I got Castlevania and I loved it, but uh do you guys remember the Nintendo Power Special. It was like Game Boy Advance Power. Yeah, I think so. It had all of the launch games in there, like walkthroughs for all yeah. the games. Uh, and I used of Nintendo Power. Ah, uh, me too. I used that thing all the time for Castlevania. It was it was amazing, and uh, you know even you know the nice things about those those Nintendo Power Specials is that even if you didn't own the game. Like Rayman, I didn't own Rayman at launch, and I never did. But you know, reading through those walkthroughs, you're almost like you were playing along. That's what I love so much about those old Nintendo Power Strategy. Yeah, in a guys. way, you kind of owned the game. Like I never owned uh, Star Fox for the N64. But one time when I renewed my Nintendo Power subscription, they sent me a Star Fox 64 Player's Guide, and I <laughs> yeah, read that. that I, yeah. re- I, I read that thing all the yeah. time. I was like, this looks like the coolest game ever made. So I I'm, I miss my Game Boy Advance power. That I wish I still had that around. My my favorite Nintendo power. I do remember that one. Did it have just the purple Game Boy Advance on it? Like wasn't yeah. it just the system on the cover? I yeah. That. My other favorite one was the one for uh, Ocarina of Time, where it was just yeah. like Link and like the white background. Yep. Oh yeah, was just, I had like, that. Fucking great issue. They had that Mega Man X one that had like a like a all silver cover. Yeah. Like, embossed and everything. That one was really yeah. Cool. That was my favorite. For, that was like one of the big January issues. They always had a fucking great January issue. Yeah. They also they also sent me a uh, Mario sixty four players guide, and I didn't have the game either. But I was like, I need this game so, so bad. So back to two thousand one. 
Um, but we're we're halfway through the year, and we've already been doing this for like a half an hour. Let okay, stay focused. Right. Um, Neil, didn't you go to Florida recently? Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, and I can tell you what I didn't do there was play Pokemon Crystal for Game Boy Color. Hey, um, that came out in July, on July 29th in North America, and uh, I never played this. I assume Zach, you probably did. Yeah, I for some reason I like Gold Silver more. Um, Crystal just feels like a different game. You get Suicune right off the bat, and I guess that's cool, but it, it felt like a whole different Pokemon game than well, isn't I was that used nice? to playing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess it is, but um, I don't know. I just I have such strong feelings for uh, uh, gold and silver that it, it, Crystal felt like something bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that this continues that tradition of a Pokemon game coming out shortly after a new handheld. Yeah, available. I mean you had that with uh, I believe a Pokemon game on an Emerald? old system. Yeah, yeah, Emerald. Emerald came out I think two thousand four, two thousand five, or something. Um, yeah. Uh, then we had uh, probably the mar- first marquee, actually just a string of marquee Game Boy Advance games was pretty much Nintendo's fall before the GameCube launch. We had, in August, we had Mario Kart Super Circuit. In September, we had Advance Wars. And in November, we had Golden Sun. Uh, Overrated game. It's good, though. Yeah. It's good. I mean, at the time, Golden Sun was like a fucking revelation because you didn't really see a lot of those style of RPGs after the Super Nintendo. I mean, you had... Because everybody kind of went in the Final Fantasy VII direction, and it wasn't until Golden Sun that you really True. kind of see... saw people dialing it back to go harken back to that Super Nintendo era of 2D RPGs. I remember being blown away by the battle scene animation. Yeah, that was oh, great. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the game was just really... The art direction on it is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And even the way... I, the, I, the, the way it connects into the sequel and stuff. I mean, I just think it was really oh, like yeah. forward-thinking for an, for a portable game, yeah. you know? It's pretty amazing. And I think this is around the time where I really started to buy into the whole, like, the Game Boy Advance is a Super Nintendo in your pocket. Yeah, it is. Yes. It was. It was. This string of games. If Golden Sun came out on the Super Nintendo, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if, if, if Nintendo tried to trick me in 2001 and be like, hey, this is a remake of a Super Nintendo game, I would have been like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. This, Golden this must Sun be around Advance, the Golden Sun One. Yeah, this must be around the time I, I finally got my Game Boy Advance because I know I had all three of these games. I I did not uh, get. Uh, I I only got Golden Sun. I don't remember. I got all of these games. I, I remember Advance Wars was Advance Wars was hard to find because it came out like the day before nine eleven, yeah. and then it just disappeared from shelves yeah, after afterwards because it was about war. Yep. Yeah. And I picked it up on oh, release day. Silly. Me too. I think that's part of the reason I never really played the first Advance Wars. I had a friend who got it, probably uh, got it cheap, like, in 2002 or 2003, and I didn't really play much of it, but I watched him play a lot of it. Um, this is when I was at the age where we'd be sitting around playing Game Boy Advances with fucking, like, lights over um, ourselves so we could see. Oh, yeah. That's right. or, no, you didn't get times. Afterburner? <laughs> no. Should we discuss the Afterburner? I, I never got the Afterburner because I... Uh, I almost got one, like, four times... I was and afraid then, to tear into my system. Yeah, yeah. I was going to send it away, and then I, but then I held out hope, and we got the SP. Yeah. I, I, I uh, had one of those like warm lights that you attached to. I did too. I did too. It's like a book light for your game. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of such a piece of shit hardware. <laughs> it really was. Like we all liked it when it came out, but man, the first iteration of every Nintendo handheld is off. I had a ridiculous battery pack for my Game Boy Advance, where it would me too. It would make Me it too. really bulky, but then I could like set it in a stand for it to recharge. 
I get oh, stuff like that too. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I think that first Christmas, my mom went crazy and just bought me a bunch of like accessories for the game. Yeah, Boy the Advance. funny thing is that for years, like I kind of ditched that after a while, like kind of as the, you know that Game Boy Advance went out of style, and I didn't have a battery cover on on it until I think it was like after the DS came out. Uh, there was some clearance, like I think I got it for two bucks, was just like an accessory kit for the old Game Boy Advance, and I got that and took the battery cover out and put it on the back of my old Game Boy Advance. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember the stupid like magnifying glass screen? I had that was another those one too. I got on clearance in like 2005. <laughs> what was uh, the point of that thing? They had this for the original Game Boy too. Yeah, that yeah, might have no, I might have had one for the original Game Boy as well. I also like. I didn't have a light that was specific for the original Game Boy, but I had a light that I would keep with me when I was, like, on car trips when I was younger. Nice. Um, but, yeah. Uh, now, now that I think about it, I wish I would have got one of those little lights that you, like, are attached to a headband that you just yeah. wear around your head, you know? Yeah. That would have been a smart I, I used to piss off my siblings because they would, like, try to sleep and shit. <laughs> and you just have the light on playing. That's true. That that does take me back to like I remember just sitting in uh, like an armchair hunched over the the side of it like under a lamp that we had yes, on the coffee me table, too. Yeah. and just like playing for hours, and then just like getting up my back and neck were just killing me. <laughs> <laughs> when did when did the Super Game Boy Advance come out, or whatever the I mean, hell? The Game called. Boy Player. Yeah, Game, Game Boy, Boy Player. Uh, oh, oh three. Oh, I mean, the GameCube isn't even wow. out yet. This is that Nintendo year, not that Nintendo. I know, I know. Area. I was just curious. Um, does anyone have any thoughts on Mario Kart before we move on to the GameCube launch? I think it's terrible. <laughs> it's not good. It's terrible now, but at the time it really yeah. was like awesome. I remember playing a lot of multiplayer. I never owned the game, but I played a lot of multiplayer in school. In mm-hmm. fact, when me and my friend Shay were sitting outside Walmart in his car at 4 a.m. waiting for the GameCube launch, wow. uh, we played Mario Kart Super Circuit for like two hours. <laughs> so the GameCube launch was was a pretty damn good launch, I think. Uh, we had actually wait a minute. There's a, there's a Game Boy Advance game snuck right after the that GameCube launch. Hey, look at that. Let's discuss that briefly because it was another ambassador game. Warrior Land Four came out the day after the GameCube. Um, oh wow! That's probably probably why I never played. Probably it. <laughs> why there wasn't a Warrior Land Five for a long time. I'm not a. I'm not in love with it. I I beat it for the for RFN's yeah. thing. If you but... want to hear more about that game, go listen to the recent RFN retroactive where they discussed it. Can I ask one more Game Boy Advance question? Sure. For the original one, which color system did you get? Because there were six of them. I got the white. There were six of them at lunch. Um. Oh no, I don't know. There were six basic color or, or seven basic colors. One of which was only available in Japan, which was spice orange, which matched the GameCube, yeah. the best color GameCube. That is a great color. What color? What other systems were there? What colors? I just remember a clear purple and, dark, and like. Yeah, there was, there was. It was called Glacier. It was like a very clear, tra- oh, a clear, right. translucent blue. That's the oh, one I had. My yeah, brother had right. the Glacier. I had the purple. I had. Yeah, purple. they had a they had a purple, a GameCube purple one. Yeah, that's, like that's the one I had. Yeah. I wish I still had it. I think mine's somewhere. Yeah, mine's well, actually, I don't know if the black is a basement. Yeah. No, black was limited edition. I had the white. so many colors. I'm looking on the Wikipedia right now. There's so many fucking colors of this. Thing. I think the I think colors. the black one cost fifty dollars more, but it came with a stand and a pack-in game. Hmm. It was yeah, it was exclusive to Toys R Us. Yeah, there, there were there were five basic colors that came out with the system: teal, indigo, arctic, which is the one that I had. That's the white glacier, which was the see-through one. That's what one. I had. 
and Fuchsia, which was the GameCube purple. <laughs> and Spice and Spice in Japan, yeah. which was that awesome. I can't, I'm so upset that we didn't get the Spice GameCube. Yeah. Guys. That's the one I wanted the most. That is, it's a really sweet color. I, I had a Spice controller. Yeah, yeah that was the first controller I bought was Spice. Yeah. Spice. <laughs> he control. He who controls the spice. November eighteenth, two thousand one. The GameCube launched, and it came with Luigi's Mansion and Wave Race Blue Storm, which um, I actually never owned Luigi's Mansion until like uh, five years ago. I've never I played owned it. it. My friend I have both got of these it. Games. I mean, my my launch day experience with the GameCube. I didn't get one until Christmas that year, but a friend of mine. Actually, he was getting it for Christmas, but his, his parents let him, like, play it for a week before they would put it away toward Christmas. That's amazing. So, he got it the day, like, the day it came out, I remember walking over to his house. He, he lived right across the street from me, still one of my best friends. Um, and, you know, I watched him play a little Luigi's Mansion. I played a little bit. And then we played Super Monkey Ball and played the ever-loving shit out of that game because it's so much fun in multiplayer. Yeah, I got that. I got that, and I got both of the Nintendo's games, Luigi's Mansion and Wave Race. Wave Race is Yeah, cool. I, I ended up getting Wave Race. Um, I got Wave Race right after Christmas. I had some money after that. I got that in Pikmin, which would come out about two weeks after launch on December 2nd. And then day Super after Smash my Brothers, birthday. And then Super Smash Brothers Melee came out the day after that. So that was a fucking hell of a Melee two weeks. was great. Yeah, Melee uh, was incredible. Melee is that that game. If that game doesn't come out that early, the GameCube might not have been as successful as it was. Yeah, and it wasn't even that successful. (laughs) (laughs) That that was definitely my college game. The tie ratio of Melee to GameCube owners is gotta be ridiculously high. I think I've told the story before, but I um I pre-ordered this from GameStop online and pre-ordered the black one. And they sent me the purple one. And not only did they send me the purple one, but they also sent it to the wrong house. They sent it, like, down the street. Nice. Um, or, well, I, I guess it wasn't their fault. I guess the mail person took it. It had, did have our address on it. But so then that person sent it back to the post office. So then it sat there for a few days until then it finally got delivered to us. Yeah, but I, looking at this list, I'm realizing now, I didn't buy any games with it. I just got the GameCube, and then I waited, what, two or three weeks until Melee came out. I might, I might, I think I rented Monkey Ball. I think I did rent Monkey Ball. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, like Luigi's Mansion just didn't interest me, and then I, I certainly didn't want to play Wave Race. So I, I think know. a lot of people initially were bitter about Luigi's Mansion not being yeah. a Mario game. Yeah. That's why, people, that's why I didn't get it. And then I, I finally played through it. Probably I want to say like spring 2002, and thought it was really awesome. But I beat it, so I didn't feel the need to buy it until I think it was. Uh, I think RFN did a retroactive, they and did, then I yeah. picked it up then. Those people who don't like this game, they need to quit drinking the Haterade because it's so Luigi's good. Mansion is so good. It's really good. It's short, but it's very, I remember very good. I got my GameCube at launch. Um, I waited like six or eight or ten hours at a Walmart. Um, I was at a Walmart, then, too. I, can, I, can t- I remember it fondly because it's also the same night that I discovered the Taco Bell chicken quesadilla. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Two um, amazing in things. High, in high school, two amazing things I learned on the same day. Uh, and I, I got home at midnight, and I played Luigi's Mansion for like an hour, and then I went to sleep. <laughs> amazing. But I was, for, I was, I was, I think, second or third in line there, and the guy, they, like, the, there were only two people in front of me, and one of the guys in front of me is was one of the guys who was working for Starman.net at the time. Wow. Oh, wow. That was so wow. random. So I got I to gotta tell you guys why I didn't buy Luigi's Mansion at launch. Because uh, you're dumb? Not because it wasn't a Mario game, because I had read a review in either EGM or Game Informer um, pre-launch where the the reviewer had put a photo of how he had to hold the controller 
Oh, man, EGM. Oh, I remember this. And his hand was in this misshapen claw, and I was like, that is not going to happen. I I, I have that very strong memory of that, and remember just being like, what the fuck? Right. I'm gonna have to find this. Why? Why did he have to hold it? Were the controls just set up poorly, or did he just not know how to hold the controls? I think. I think it was that. I think it's like that's how they thought it was optimal to play Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, like something about moving and using the flashlight. I don't know. Weird. I'm gonna Damn, it's not. Up. It's not on Google Image. When that's I why I, that's Luigi's why Mansion I controller grip. It is. It is the. I think either. I, I think it's the November 2001 issue of EGM. Yeah. That sounds right. That was, uh, I mean, I, I remember reading the crap out of that, that issue of EGM because it was the Xbox GameCube launch one. Yeah. And then the one after that was that Games, Games, Games issue right. that, uh, right. that then had, like, I think it had Metal Gear and Halo reviews or something. Yeah, Metal Gear 2. Yep. But, Even yeah. 10. I have a, I have a question for you guys about the N64 controller, but I'm going to save it till we talk about the N64 next time. Yeah, because people. It's similar to this. That, that <laughs> will be the next episode of that Nintendo year will be 1996, where we talk oh. about the N64 launch. Um, so that should be pretty cool. But I guess just uh, before we go... Uh, wait, wait, wait. We haven't talked about Pikmin at all. That's okay. It. Pikmin's We're a great game. I, re- I remember uh, that there was <laughs> a trailer on Luigi's Mansion, I believe, and I remember watching that video and just being mesmerized by it. 100 Mario's. Pikmin yeah. is good. Yep. I guess we did have that big Pikmin segment over the summer. Yeah, we had Pikmin. Months. So go listen to that. Yeah, and wait for Pikmin 3. Should be out by the end of March 2013, which Weird. I don't believe. <laughs> but that's what Nintendo's saying. It'll be out in January, I think. Or it may, I it might, be out at, it might be out at the end of... It, it might be their March game. I think it, it, we'll I think it will be out game, before... So. I think it will be out before E3, but I don't know if it will be out that much earlier before E3. Before I, June. It's, they've been, it's been in development for so long, it'll be out by the end of March. I think I think it's been in development for so long, you have no idea when it's ever going to be released. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're using it... I think it's going to be the end cap on the launch window. I... I, I, I I'm glad you're optimistic, Mike. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't, at this, I guess, I, they did say Luigi's Mansion was going to be out, and it's not, and right. they did have to correct themselves on that. They said Luigi's just, Mansion's going to be out several times, and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, that, I don't think it's going to happen with this too. game. This game is going to, this game is, like, coming from, I don't know, one of the Japanese teams, not some American fly-by-night developer, <laughs> which I shouldn't say, because I know they're good, yeah. but. Well, I mean, I think next, I think next level's issue is that this is the first time they're handling kind of a bigger property because before they made soccer games and Punch Out. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, Punch Out was kind of a big deal. It sold very well, at least. Yeah, but Punch Out was still was like so a, you know Tanabe San, uh, the guy who works with all the the external Western third, Western second or third parties, whereas Luigi's Mansion Miyamoto is working with them on it. So that kind of. That kind of explains everything with that game, which is okay, because you know it's what? Good. At the end of the day, that Luigi's Mansion 3DS game will probably be fucking awesome and worth the wait. Yeah. The um, only thing I want to say about Melee is that that was my college game, and yep. wow, I played so much Melee. You know what's funny? I went to college five years after this, and this was still my college game <laughs> until Brawl came out. Yeah, I started college in 02, and it got played at least once a week for Four years straight. Yeah, I started, uh, I mean, not to make everyone feel old, as I do pretty often. I started college at the end of 
or uh, you know September 2006, and I yeah, you started college right after I graduated. <laughs> um, but uh, I remember like I would play this nightly, weekly. I mean, it kind of faded as as time wore on. But that first semester, pretty much like um, go to class. You know, that's when I met Lauren. I would hang out with Lauren, and then I would play melee with people on my floor. <laughs> that was pretty much what I did. Did you guys do Did you guys do the four controller trick to unlock Mewtwo? Because I um, sure as hell did. I, I, we just I unlocked did Mewtwo, dude. <laughs> Wasn't yeah, that hard? I did that early on. No, no, Mewtwo was tough because you had to you had to get so many hours of gameplay. Well, I, I, I remember I left my system on overnight to that's get. That's what Mewtwo. I did with four I think controllers plugged in. I might have done that actually. Yeah. I know but, for me and my friends, this was all we played multiplayer until Halo came out. In, like, 2004? Yeah, our dorm room alternated nights, basically, where, like, one night we would all go down to the lobby and play Smash Brothers on the big screen TV, and on the other night we would all hole up in our rooms and play 16-player network Halo. Over <laughs> network. It was perfect. Halo came out at the perfect time for me. I did, I did that with Halo 2 and Halo 3 in college. Nice. <laughs> I have alluded to this, I think. I think I alluded to this in a staff email, but for some reason I have talked about this with several people recently about how I was in college when Halo 3 came out, and there's a GameStop down the road from my college, and a couple of friends and I just got really drunk and waited online for Halo 3 at midnight and then went back and played it. We didn't, like, we weren't really that into Halo. It was just kind of like, what else are we going to do tonight? Well, let's the, go. The phrase, me yeah. and my friends got really drunk, is the start to a lot of your gaming stories, Neil. That, that was a lot of college for me. <laughs> I did very go. well, though. Stay in school. Good. Stay yes. in school. Winners Stay don't school. use drugs. I mean, yeah, it's it's like drink <laughs> drink responsibly and uh, and uh, do do well. Because I did a lot of dumb things in college, and I had a very good GPA. So, drink your milk with vodka in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a White Russian. Learn exactly. It. it looks like milk. All right, I think that'll do it for yeah. this segment. Uh, that is that Nintendo year. I hope you enjoyed uh, Sidetracks and all. Um, it was a pretty damn good year. We had two console launches and two solid console launches. Maybe not yeah. in quantity of games, but definitely in quality. It makes me realize that how much like more shit we're getting with the Wii U. It's like We got almost nothing with the GameCube. There was not very much third-party support at launch. There were 12 games, I believe. 12 games, and how many, there's like double that coming out yep. on launch day alone. And look, and looking at this list, there's not really, there's only one gap where there's not like one notable game released by Nintendo from month to month, and that's from September to November. Uh, Advance Wars was September 10th, and then Golden Sun was November 11th, so there was nothing in October. Yeah. But other than that, every month is pretty much represented. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this might have been a fall where Nintendo probably got lambasted for, or, I mean, like at least if this happened today, like I mean, how we're kind of complaining about how their September is pretty empty. I mean, we still even got that Kirby game, but I mean that that that. It, from September to October, there was Advance Wars, and that was it. And I think that's, honestly, they probably didn't have anything else. Because if you look at it, that they only they only have, uh, you know, it's it's Mario Kart, then Advance Wars, and Golden Sun, then Wario Land. There's one game a month for Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah, I, there's one game. I, I missed it when I said earlier this, this segment that there's one game a month every month for this year, but I, they missed October. Yeah. Yeah, across both. But I, I wonder third party what was going on. Like, I'm trying to think of when the Metal, Mega Man like Battle Network game came out. Yeah, that, that was might good. Have, that might have been around that time because that was really good. So maybe that was like the yeah, big that game that kind of was good. that filled that gap. Filled that but, hole. Gotta uh, fill that hole. <laughs> yep. 
with vodka. But yeah, that is that Nintendo year. I hope you enjoyed, and uh, stay tuned for in a couple weeks when we traipse down the N64. So what, 96, what? right? 96. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I, I, got that, I got that shit the March after. Uh, so. Wait, 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 you're a Virtual Boy. Are we going to do a Virtual Boy one? <laughs> <laughs> that Nintendo month. <laughs> <laughs> that Nintendo month. <laughs> I, I, I Actually, I think that's what we're going to do before N64 now. I'm curious. Yeah, but I mean, well, in all honesty, uh, I mean, that would be very interesting because I think 1995, the reason why the Virtual Boy came out is that Nintendo had nothing else. Right. Because that was the, that was, I mean, that system was basically just like, Gunpei Yokoi fucking around with stuff, and then Yamachi was just like, we need a system, put that shit out, and he's like, no, but we will talk about that on a later that Nintendo year. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. And that will do it for episode 53 of Connectivity. If you have any listener mail for us, you can send that to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. You should follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, look at the uh, Twitter sidebar on the right side of the page, and you can find all of our usernames there. And if you get a chance, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be great. All right, we'll see you guys next week.